This may not be the most important topic for a lot of people because they don't necessarily share my beliefs. But I think it's important for any religion and any religious practice. It doesn't matter if you're Jew, Muslim, Catholic, makes no difference. It is the slow degeneration of the Catholic Church that I think is very, very concerning. The Washington Post released an article all excited about the Catholic Church and how its followers and its priesthood are now seeping into leftist ideology. Here's the thing. It's not really seeping into leftist ideology. We happen to have a pope that kind of is into it and some priests that are into it. But it's it's slinking into this ideology enough that I want to talk about it. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I hope you had a great day yesterday. And let's get into it. There's just a lot of stuff, and a lot of stuff, to be honest with you, is just irritating the crap out of me. So it's not as happy-go-lucky as it was before, as it usually is. But let's let's get into the big news. Republicans should have no issue winning this election in 2024. But it just seems like there are certain Republicans that just want to destroy any chance we have at winning the elections. And in this case, the big Republican, Matt Gates. Now, everyone will talk about, everyone who's a fan of Matt Gates, including myself, I was a huge fan. I am no fan of him now. Um, Matt Gates, very conservative, theoretically. I, what he did yesterday was not conservative. And it was just a personal, self-centered, egocentric, narcissistic way of making a name for himself, and that's what it was. So there was a huge, his, something historical happened yesterday, something that hasn't happened since 1910. A Speaker of the House was recalled. So yesterday, last week, Kevin McCarthy made a deal to keep the government open. Now, again, I'm not one of these people that sees the government shutting down as a bad thing. The government is spending more money than it has. We're going to have to deal with this eventually. But I also said that this is just going to be made into a political hand grenade that Democrats are going to throw at Republicans, blaming them for you know, an, the existential threat of a government shutdown. And I thought, you know, it'd probably be better if we just kept the government open because let's face it, there's not a lot of change that can be done by Republicans. We have a slim majority in the House. We have a minority in the Senate and the president is a leftist, Democrat, senile old man. So really, Republicans weren't going to be able to do a hell of a lot. McCarthy did a good job in that he got Ukraine funding pulled from the the bill he got he didn't win when it came comes to securing the border which should be something republicans are talking about see here's the here's the whole thing the keeping the government open for only about a month by the way 
it's not like we're not going to run into this in about three weeks. We're going to run into this in three weeks. This whole thing is going to start over again, which is a good thing. McCarthy did actually about the best job you could do and keep the government open. He continues keeping his negotiating path open. That if we have to go through this every month for the next year, because Kevin McCarthy is sitting there saying, hey, you got to cut spending, which we do. I'm not going to go for this. I'm not going to go for that. We'll keep a temporary open. But the re- because it is a political disaster for Republicans. Let's call it what it is. He did about as good a job as he can. Ukraine should not have been part of the bill. Why keeping the government open is requi- requires that we keep funding the Ukraine uh, Ukraine uh, economy is beyond me. So he did he did a good job there, but he's doing the best he can with what he has. Well, Tim Ga- Matt Gates, who to be honest with you, this isn't the first time he's done done this. I didn't know this. I had to read about it. But Matt Gates did this in 2018 with Paul Ryan, trying to get Paul Ryan pulled out of the out of the op out of the speakership. So already we begin to wonder why is he doing this? So yesterday, Matt Gates unhappy that the government is still open. And trust me, I understand where he's coming from ideologically. I don't think that's why he did this. I think he did this for to make a name of himself, to be able to stand in front of the house and bluster which he did. He stood in front of the house. He blustered. He's been standing in front of the press, blustering. He's been going on MSNBC and CNN, blustering. Notice he's not going to Fox News and blustering. He's going to CNN and MSNBC because Democrats love this crap. They, they love it. They want to promote this. So yesterday he put in articles to pull uh, Kevin McCarthy from the speakership. And at first, McCarthy decided to run a vote to table the vote. Uh, that table failed. Then it went to a vote to pull Kevin McCarthy. That vote, McCarthy lost. All Democrats voted to pull Kevin McCarthy. And only eight Republicans, 4% of the Republican caucus, voted to pull McCarthy. So every Republican... All 209 Republicans voted to keep McCarthy in, including Republicans that didn't want, didn't vote for McCarthy back in January of last year. All voted to keep McCarthy back in, but only eight Republicans said, no, we want him out. Those Republicans, Matt Gates, of course, Andy Biggs of Arizona, Ken Buck of Colorado, Eli Crane of Arizona, Bob Good of Virginia, Matt Rosendale of uh, Montana, Tim Burkett of Tennessee, and Nancy Mace of South Carolina. Those were the only ones that said, we want McCarthy gone. So they pulled McCarthy, which means now the entire, all the business of the House, including all the investigations, are now stopped until they put in a Speaker of the House. We're going to have to go, and we've already heard from Matt Gates. hey, he'll vote a hundred times if he has to, to get his guy in which he's not going to have to worry about because Kevin McCarthy sat back and said, okay, I'm not running for speaker. I don't blame him. Why would he want this hassle? He's, he's getting crap 
from the Democrats who have a, a slim minority. And now he's getting bullshit from these guys. Why would anyone want this? So he said, I'm not, I'm not running. I'm not running. So they, they sit back and Matt Gates was pulled after and asked, well, what do you do now? I don't know. In other words, he did this just for attention. He didn't do this with any plan who they're going to nominate. He, he came up, well, there's Steve Scalise, and then there's this person, there's Jim Jordan, there's this person and that person. So he sat back. Steve Scalise, by the way, doesn't want it. Jim Jordan didn't want it. Jim Jordan wanted to be the head of the Judiciary Committee, which he was. None of the guys at Matt Gates said should be Speaker of the House wanted to be Speaker of the House, which is absolutely amazing. So this guy basically led a vote to get rid of the Speaker of the House, and he had nobody out there to replace him. And then what did Congress do? And every Democrat, the Democrats love this. They love the chaos. They love the chaos. They want it. They want this vote. They want to be able to go on MSNBC and CNN and say how disastrous the Republicans are. Vote for Joe Biden. So Matt Gates is an asshole. Yes, McCarthy didn't get everything that we wanted. We wanted, But the fact is, he wasn't going to get everything we wanted. We got a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president. He wasn't going to get everything. Of course, Matt Gates then is bitching and moaning about the border. Well, I mean, again, we've got a Democratic president and a Democratic Senate. We had a Democratic House, Senate, and president during the first two years of Biden's presidency. There was nothing they could do about the border. The president can do whatever he wants on the border. And nothing's going to get through in the Senate. It was a disaster. It is an absolute chaotic disaster. So what did Congress do? Congress decided to take the weekend off. So instead of going in and dealing with this problem so that the business of Congress can keep going, for example... Some important things, you know, like investigations into the border, investigations into bribery and corruption by the Biden White House, things that are kind of important. Keeping the focus on Joe Biden, keeping the focus on the border, keeping the focus on the the bullshit that's happening in Ukraine. This Matt Gates decided to blow it up and keep the focus on Republicans, which is like the last thing that should be done. And then if you need any more indication that uh, Donald Trump is an effing a-hole, look at his response to it, which was nothing. Don't forget Donald Trump supported Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. And then nowhere to be seen. He didn't have any comment. Instead, Donald Trump is doing exactly what Matt Gates is doing. Look at me, look at me, look at me, whining and crying about his being prosecuted in New York. Republicans don't get it. I'm telling you right now, if things do not change, and they do not change very soon, we are going to lose in 2024. Republicans will lose in 2024, and they deserve to lose. They absolutely deserve to lose. Because all the Republicans are doing is is, is waving their arms, and it's only a, a, a small minority of Republicans, by the way, waving the arms and saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Donald Trump's doing that. 
Matt Gates is doing that. Instead of looking at President Biden and looking at the shit job he's doing. Because he's doing a, an absolute shit job. Instead of looking at the economy, which is now officially heading towards, there's a very good chance we're in a recession already. If not, we're going to be in a recession. The stock market is crashing. The tech industry is laying off something like 30% of its workforces. We've got strikes in the auto workers union. Kaiser Permanente just went on strike today. 75,000 healthcare workers are now on strike. Gas prices are averaging $4 are, are approaching $5 a gallon. I believe they're at like 46470 a gallon. In California, gas prices are averaging $6.10 a gallon. And there's no more oil in the reserve that can be thrown out there in order to lower gas prices. We've got, a, we've got a shortage in military armament because we've been giving it all to Ukraine. And China knows about this. We've got a corrupt president who's apparently been bribing countries like Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Russia, and China, getting money from China and Mexico. All of this stuff we have evidence for, but we, we, we all have to stop all of that. Right now, we have to stop all of that. Because Matt Gates is throwing a effing temper tantrum. Because, I don't know, uh, Kevin McCarthy isn't conservative enough for me, for him. Meanwhile, people like Stefanik, Gloria Stefanik, whatever her name is, who didn't vote for Kevin McCarthy, sat in his defense yesterday saying, no, he did a great, he's doing a great job. He's doing the best job he possibly can. And he is uh, just, it's absolutely incredible to me how bad this whole thing is looking. Jim Jordan too. Jim Jordan was a guy who did not vote for Kevin McCarthy at the first. He eventually was convinced to do so, but he wasn't convinced of Kevin McCarthy. He said Kevin McCarthy was doing a good job and he was, he was, he was doing a good job and he's strong enough to deal with it. Well, Jim Jordan, who said he wants nothing to do with the speakership, and who would? Because in, in, in six months, Matt Gates is going to do the same thing. He does this. This is what he does. He is a purveyor of chaos. This guy needs to be, I mean, I'm not saying we should expel him or anything. I'm just saying this guy just needs to learn to shut the F up and be tolerant and wait because we don't have the power right now. But here's the thing. We're not going to have the power after this little stunt. And this, nothing is looking good. Nothing is looking good within the Republican Party. Ben Shapiro was talking about this this morning. He was talking about incentives. And when you become a civil, civil servant, a public servant, an elected servant of the people, one of the things your incentives should be is to improve the country. And he says, no, that's not what this was about. This is not about improving the country. Because Matt Gates is a smart guy. He knows what Kevin McCarthy could or couldn't do. He, he said he's doing this because his incentives have nothing to do with the country. His incentives are to be on the pulpit, preaching. That's his incentive. 
His incentives are to maybe run for the White House. His incentives are to get speaking gigs so he can make money. And I'm sorry, that's a very, it was embarrassing. He was on the Democratic side of the House floor yesterday, making these arguments, being clapped on, looked at by Ilhan uh, Ilhan Omar like she was in love with another guy and willing to have another affair with with a married man. She looked absolutely in love with this guy. And all the Democrats are clapping and they were thrilled with this because it takes all of the spotlight off of the Democrats and their shitty policies to the terrible economy, to the crime crisis, to the drug crisis, to the border crisis, to the homeless crisis. And it puts it right back on Republicans. That's where they want this. They want Joe Biden in the basement just to get reelected in 2024 if he runs. And that's it. And meanwhile, we got Matt Gates and Donald Trump sitting up there trying to take over the bully pulpit. Look at me, look at me, look at me. It's a loser. It's how we're going to lose in 2024 unless somebody changes something. This is a loser in 2024. And by the way, F Donald Trump. Donald Trump has not talked about any of this. He doesn't care. He cares only about himself and his prosecution. You know, in the Bible, there is a a deal that says that if you sacrifice, if you make a sacrifice, for example, if you fast, wash your face, wear your best clothes, wear your best shoes, put on a smile, greet people as if you had a meal, don't sit back and and walk around with a with a with a hump in your back and suffer show your suffering because if you do that that's not sacrifice that's as far as it goes because you're getting the attention you want that's Donald Trump with these with these prosecutions Donald Trump the best thing he could do and it will actually win him a lot of support he just said yeah this is typical Now, let's talk about Joe Biden. He won't do that. That's why he'll lose in 2024. Okay. So I've rambled enough about that, and I'm not going to talk too much because I'm sure everyone has talked about it. Yes, I had to talk about it because it is something that hasn't happened since 1910. Let's get to our dumbass of the day. Of all of the social justice movements out there, I find the most irritating. And you'll know this if you go to my Rumble channel, because I have this all over the place on my Rumble channel. And I usually do this because I want you to see the people that are pushing this social justice movement is the body positivity movement. I think it is the most annoying gaslighting movement out there. It is up there with the trans movement because it is such a BS lie. And it it tries to make people accept something that quite honestly, for our health, we should never accept. And that is the fat fatness. Okay. Overweight. Now, yes, there are people out there that are overweight. You got to feel bad for them. And that's, that's true. That's fine. 
That's absolutely fine. There are some people that can't lose weight. Understand, you don't have to be a dick to someone who's heavy. But when someone is heavy out of their own, they decide to be that way. And they decide that they're not going to improve themselves. And then we all need to conform, which is exactly what the trans movement is doing right now. We all must conform and call a trans woman a a man or the opposite. I'm sorry. We must call a trans woman or her and she, even though she's a man. And we must ignore science and say that a trans woman can get pregnant and all that BS. Uh, fat pho- fat phobia does the same thing. They they the, f- the body positivity movement does the same thing. They keep telling us we have to conform to their lifestyle, to the decisions that they made. And most of the time, and we see video. There are videos all over the internet showing. I I just I I'm publishing a video right now, right at this moment, where a woman takes in a two thousand calorie dinner. She weighs probably 300 pounds, takes down a 2,000 calorie dinner and is proud of it. And then, you know, sits back and will call you fat phobic when you tell her maybe you shouldn't be eating that. But this and the fat phobia movement, the body positivity movement also brings up another thing that the left leftism is an ideology of death. They're into the trans movement is into getting rid of masculinity, getting rid of femininity, um, making sure people don't have children, because if you're a man who thinks he's a woman, you're not getting pregnant. And they want to sterilize and mutilate children so that they can't have children. That's the only reason why you don't wait till a person is 18 and able to able to make a decision for themselves because by the time they're 18 they're going to say I don't want to do that that maybe I do want to have children they so they get them when they're 10 or 11 and they sterilize them then before they are smart enough to realize it Chloe Cole is a prime example she was a girl who decided to transition to a boy when she was about 13 had her breasts cut off at 16 and at 17 said what the hell am I doing because she became sane. And by the way, 17 years old, even that's young for you to before you realize that, wait, this isn't right. But the ideology, it's into it's into body positivity, which means unhealthy bodies, fatness, the trans agenda where you mutilate and sterilize children. They're into abortion, killing of babies. They're into euthanasia, which is killing of adults who don't want to live anymore. And we're not talking euthanasia as in, I've got stage four cancer, got 15 minutes to live. Could you do me a favor, take me out of pain, which is debate, which you can debate. They're talking about, I just don't feel like living anymore type of euthanasia. The type of euthanasia they're pushing in Canada. They're pushing drug addiction, drug legalization, which is just a form of making somebody irrelevant to society, killing them, essentially. Leftism is the ideology of death. Well, here's a gal. She is the body positivity queen. She goes around and just films herself and starts bitching about how most places on earth are made for people that don't weigh 400 pounds.
for example, she was one. If you go to, I've actually got her on my uh, Rumble page, the, her one of her videos where she's walking through a plane at 400 pounds and has trouble getting through the aisle. And instead of that being a a signal to her that maybe she needs to lose some weight, it's a signal to her that the plane needs to be changed. And that's what she believes in. So here she is. Her, she's got a list of demands that society needs to conform to in order not to be fat phobic. Let's listen to her. As much as anybody else. And today I'm going to cover what we are looking for in accessible size inclusive hotel amenities. Size inclusive hotel amenities are crucial for ensuring that plus size travelers feel welcomed, accommodated and comfortable during their stay. We deserve an environment that respects our needs and body diversity. These are the exact steps that hotels can take to be more size inclusive and accessible for travelers of all sizes. Number one on the list, provide sturdy wider chairs without armrests. In guest rooms, lobbies and common areas to accommodate different body sizes and types. Number two on the list, ensure beds with strong support and a higher weight capacity, along with providing reinforced chairs and wider bathroom facilities. Number three, make elevators and hallways spacious to allow for easy movement of larger individuals and those utilizing mobility devices. Number four, install grab bars and showers and near toilets. Offer adjustable handheld shower heads and raised toilet seats for added accessibility. Number five, train staff to be respectful, understanding and accommodating to travelers of all sizes. Number six, provide pool lifts and handrails at the entry of the pool. This will allow for plus size guests and guests with different abilities to enjoy all amenities. Number seven, hotel restaurants should have roomy seating options and sturdy chairs, ensuring that everybody can dine comfortably. Number eight, offer larger beach and pool seating. Provide oversized loungers and seating at the beach and pool areas, allowing travelers of all sizes and abilities to be comfortable. Number nine, hotels should provide size inclusive bathrobes. These should go up to a size 6X and beyond. And hotels should also provide bath sheets or plus size friendly towels so that travelers of all sizes and abilities can use them comfortably. And last but not least, this is an important one. Display clear and accurate information on these amenities on hotel websites. Include weight limits, seat dimensions, and things like that. And include information on the size inclusive amenities available. This will help plus size travelers make informed decisions. By implementing these size inclusive hotel amenities, hotels can become more inclusive and accommodating. Be sure to hit that follow button. You know who doesn't care about any of this stuff? About 99% of the population. Do you know why? 99% of the population isn't, isn't 400 pounds. I, I mean, that's a stretch. It's probably a little less than that, like 85% of the population. But this, this is a gal who's sitting back and saying, I mean, wider elevators and wider hallways. So in other words, we need to reconstruct hotels to accommodate this fat ass? And by the way, she lists something like 11 or 12 things. I, I wasn't paying that much attention, but she lists 11 and 12 things. Um, are, isn't that 11 or 12 reasons you should lose some effing weight? Doesn't that tell you something? But see, that's what these people are. It has nothing to do with what they think. It has nothing to do with, with uh, how they're inconvenienced by their bad choices in life. It's how they have, everyone has to conform to them. And by the way, the stupid thing, oh, instruct staff not to make fun of them, I guess, or be, really? You mean to tell me staff are sitting back and making fun of her left and right? I guarantee you right now, if there was a hotel staff member that started laughing at this fat ass walking through the hallway, 
that that staff member would be fired the second she complained. And you know this broad's going to complain. So this is, this is an example of the world needs to conform to her. The world needs to conform to trans people. But we need to rebuild hotels so that her fat ass can walk down a hallway because she's so fat she doesn't fit in hallways. We need to put, we need to put uh, rails in the pools or raise the toilet seats. What about people who are small? So you raise the toilet seat, and meanwhile, my daughter can't go to the bathroom by herself. Or my grandkids can't go to the bathroom by themselves. Because there are, guess what? There are a lot more little kids that go to hotels than 400-pound fat asses like this gal. But she doesn't care about any of that. She doesn't care what is really the standard. What is the average? The average is you don't weigh 400 pounds. Oh, just so annoying. Yeah, I'm on fire today. I'm just not, not, uh, not in a great mood, especially after reading this from the Washington Post. So the Washington Post, <clears throat> they released an article. I'm going to read a lot of it, most of it. And this is something the Catholic Church is going through. They're going through kind of a growth spurt. And the problem, not a growth spurt, excuse me. They're going through a bit of a problem. And that problem is attendance. People are not showing up to the church. They're not going to mass. They're not supporting the church like they used to. And so the church is trying to figure out how to deal with this. The problem is the church may be going about it all wrong. And the Washington Post, and by the way, Fox News also had a article on this, and Fox News was a little bit more truthful than the Washington Post. For example, the Washington Post is celebrating Pope Francis and they're celebrating the fact that the church might be leaning towards um, gay marriage, might be leaning towards couples that aren't married being blessed and things like that. And honestly, they do have a lot of this wrong. Some of it they don't, and that's kind of concerning. So let's go through this article here. In the shadow of Cologne's Gothic Cathedral, the St. Stephen's Youth Choir struck up a chorus of All You Need Is Love, as couples, men with women, women with women, men with men, women with men, lined up to have their unions blessed by an ordained Catholic priest wearing rainbow stoles. It was an act of love, but also sedition, in direct defiance of the Vatican's degree, that same-sex unions should not be celebrated or recognized. Right off the bat, there's a big problem. Um, all you need is love, first off, is not a Catholic teaching. It's not a Catholic teaching. And all you need your love is, is written by the Beatles who were secular, who were complete atheists. They believed religion should be wiped off the face of the earth. That's the Beatles. And second off, uh, Catholic priests wearing rainbow stoles, what that basically means is they are not Catholic priests. They may say they're Catholic priests, but if they are wearing Catholic, if they're wearing rainbow stoles and supporting gay marriage, they are not Catholic priests. Everything here, right off the bat, says that this is a an offshoot of Catholicism, which makes it Protestant or something like that. Even the Pope acknowledges that. 
Let's continue. The German Catholic school. Okay, well, there's your first problem. It's German. Okay, Germany does not have freedom of religion. By the way, neither does England. We talked last week about, or yesterday, was it last? No, it was last week. We talked about, we talked last week about a couple who left Germany to come to the United States because they wanted to homeschool their kids in the Catholic religion. And Germany is going to, and the United States is now forcing them back. I mean, we got, you know, 10,000 illegal aliens crossing the border, but this German couple with seven kids and both have jobs and don't take anything from the government is actually being sent back. Forget that. But Germany does not have, Germany does not have freedom of religion. They tax religion in Germany. And it's been like that since 1938. By the way, what hap- where did this come from in 1938? That's right, Nazism. Nazi- the Nazis actually forced religion into the back rooms. Don't forget, it wasn't just Jews that the, Jer- the Nazis killed. They killed Catholics too. St. Maximilian Kolbe, a Catholic priest, was also in the gas chamber. That's how he became a saint. Continuing. The German Catholic Church, long known for pushing the boundaries of faith, has been translating frustrations among progressive Catholics in pockets throughout Europe into ver- veritable revolt. The question for 1.3 billion Catholics now is whether German church is in flagrant disobedience or showing a different path. Okay, no, um, they're in flagrant disobedience. They are also not... They have to follow the laws of Germany, by the way, which were, again, laws made during the Nazi regime. So, no, they are, they're not this revolt. There's no revolt in the Catholic Church, by the way, when it comes to the teachings. These people are just not Catholic. And they need to be treated as such. And 1.3 million Catholics are not looking at this and saying, maybe we should go a different direction. I guarantee you, most Catholics are like me and they say, no, they're, they're heretics. By the way, interesting, interesting point in this article when it comes to heretics, calling people heretics or heretical doctrine. We'll get to that. So, no, she's wrong already. Pope Francis has reprimanded Germany's <coughs> Catholic leadership. He quipped to the head of the bishops' conference last year that Germany already had one Protestant church. We don't need two. On Monday, however, the Vatican released a document that seemed to open the door to blessing of same-sex unions and a study of the female a study of female priests, actually going in and making female nuns, I guess, into priests. Okay, first things first. Uh, no, that's not what happened. The Pope didn't re- release a letter making statements. The Pope was given a dubia. What a dubia is, and I, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, it's a list of questions. Yet they're supposed to be yes-no questions made by some of the cardinals and sent to the Pope. And then the Pope answers yes or no to those questions. Well, the Pope violated that. He actually wrote long-term, long-form answers to the, the questions. I believe there were five or ten questions that the cardinals asked. And the reason he did that was he didn't want to say yes or no. 
he is the, the problem with this pope is he's been extremely vague and basically the cardinals believe that our church doctrine is being ignored and we're we're entering upon pagan and heresy the vatican is and they're worried about that so they asked the pope a bunch of questions that he was supposed to say yes or no are you against gay marriage and he comes up with a 45 paragraph answer which is the problem and the priest even said um that's not how you do this it's a yes no question the priest went in after he released this quote letter end quote which wasn't a letter the the cardinals gave him back the dubia and say could you just answer yes or no so this letter that the washington post said was released was not a letter and it was done wrong and the cardinals sent it again and i'm kind of curious to see what his answers are going to be when he responds again if he's going to do the same thing okay this is what the pope said we cannot we cannot be judges who only deny push deny push back and exclude francis wrote as such pastoral prudence must advertently discern whether there are forms of blessing requested by one or several people that do not convey the wrong idea of matrimony because when one seeks a blessing one is requested help from god okay so essentially the question was does the does the pope support gay marriage that was the question that was his answer in other words he didn't give an answer he would rather just not even talk about it say well you can bless gay couples which by the way Priests can, but they can bless gay couples now. But basically, that blessing is asking them to find their way. They're hoping that the gay couple can actually find the way. It's not to bless this union, because that union goes completely against the Catholic Church. Here's a little secret. I, I know I've mentioned this before, and there's no way we're getting through this entire article, which is fine. That's fine. But... Marriage in Catholicism is not about two people being compatible sexually. It's not about the love of those two people, not only about the love of those two people. It's about having children. You can't do that if you're a gay couple. So right off the bat, that's one of the reasons it states in the Catholic Church, marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, the Pope knows this. And that's why he gives such a muddled answer. I'm not going to read the rest of it because I'm actually running out of time and I, I don't see the point of this. You can go to my website and read, read the article. But the point of the matter is marriage has a defined purpose. Not happiness, not love, though love is part of it. It is children to grow the population, to grow the Catholic community. You even say it in your vows in a Catholic church, in a Catholic marriage, that you are going to have kids. You are going to raise those kids as Catholics. It never mentions happiness in the vows in the Catholic church because happiness comes from the sacrifice of being married to one 
and having children and raising those children's children. From there comes happiness. But this Pope can't do that. He can't sit there and say, no, gay marriage is an abomination, which, by the way, is what the Bible says. Men wearing clothing is an abomination. It's in the Bible. Men laying with man is an abomination. It's in the Bible. It isn't even a sin. It's an abomination. It's an instant ticket to hell. But no one wants to talk about that. But the, but the Pope won't bring this up. And why won't the Pope bring this up? Because he's a leftist. Now, does he believe that in abortion? No, he does not. That was the one thing he made very clear, is that abortion is an abomination. Does he believe in trans rights? Absolutely not. Or not trans rights, but the transgender movement that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man? Of course not. He won't say that because he doesn't want to piss off left leftists who he loves so much. But he doesn't believe that. By the way, most leftists don't believe that either. They're just bullshitting. Does he believe in gay marriage? Of course not. He doesn't. You don't become the Pope and believe in gay marriage. But he can't say anything. Or he must really mince his words. That's why when he was asked that question... He didn't give a yes or no answer. He had to say, he had to come up with some potpourri of bullshit to satisfy the cardinals who who, uh, turned in the dubia. And then the cardinals were like, what is this? That's not even an answer. And then they resubmitted the dubia, which by the way, the Washington Post conveniently left out. The Pope, even if the Pope answers it, and we talked about this yesterday, even if the Pope answers the dubia, yes, that doesn't mean the Pope is right. The infallibility of the Pope is based on doctrine, not on on readings of the Bible, changing of prayers, general doctrine. And even general doctrine, what's in the Bible and things like that, even then, cardinals can say no. As a matter of fact, a lot of the times when there are major changes in the Catholic Church, it's because they actually ran a conference and the priests and the cardinals and bishops voted for a certain doctrine change. The Pope just can't change doctrine. I know he's done it. He's changed the Our Father, which, by the way, did have the acceptance with the cardinals. He got rid of the Latin Mass, That was actually more of him doing that. The Latin Mass is still said in a lot of churches today. Church down the street I go to, they still do the Catholic Mass. They still do the Latin Mass. They haven't dropped it. Because the Latin Mass is a beautiful type of Mass, even if you don't understand it. So they still do it. But the Pope, can that guy be excommunicated? No, because the Pope did that unilaterally and he can't do that. If he wants to get rid of Latin Mass, he has to have a conference of of cardinals. And then the cardinals actually go in and make recommendations, and the Pope decides if those recommendations are okay, and he makes choices. If the cardinals don't make the recommendations, the Pope just can't do it. He's, he's He's still a human being. He is sinful. He's infallible when he makes a decision. 
And that decision is based off the fact that everyone agrees with him. So understand something. It's very muddled, this infallibility of the Pope. That was one of the problems I had during Catholicism. This Pope believes in globalism. This Pope believes in climate change. As a matter of fact, today, he said, or yesterday, because this is in Italy, it just depends. He sat back and said, we're all going to die because of climate change. He believes climate change. That's why he selected Pope Francis, because Francis was a huge nature guy. He believes climate change is going to end the world. He's always believed that. And one of the reasons that the left really loved this pope is because he believes climate change is a major issue. He also believes in redistribution of wealth. He believes in globalism. Politically, very leftist ideologies. That's one of the reasons why he doesn't attack abortion directly all the time because he knows his people support abortion. He doesn't, attra- he doesn't attack trans or gay marriage because his people support that. People at the World Economic Forum, people in the United, leftists in the United States. He doesn't attack it because he's a huge climate change guy. So what's really sad about this whole thing is the church, the church is really looking for a way to get more butts in the seats over in mass. And instead of saying, no, it's not our doctrine that's wrong here, it's culture that's wrong. The church is looking for ways to get, they they figure changes they can make to get more people to come to church. Instead of saying, listen, trans ideology is evil. Gay marriage is evil. It's an abomination. Use abomination is a better word. Trans agenda is an abomination. Gay marriage is an abomination. Atheism is an abomination. It's all wrong. Instead of fighting for the doctrine that's been around for 2,300 years, the church is looking to make changes to that, or this, this pope especially, is looking to make the changes to that doctrine. Now, you didn't have that with, uh, you didn't have that with Benedict, you didn't have that with John Paul II. You didn't have that with John Paul I, which a lot of people think is the reason he was killed or reason he's dead. They think John Paul, they think a very good chance John Paul was actually killed. I don't necessarily agree with that, but it's possible. I mean, I'm sorry, you elect a 70-year-old guy, him dying three months later is not a shock. And it's not Pope Paul. That was not his doctrine. Changing doctrine was not what any of those popes wanted to do, to put more butts in the seat. He would sit there, Pope John Paul was notorious for it. He would sit there and say, well, where the hell are you, all you people? Don't you realize there is an end goal in this whole life thing? And you guys are messing it up? John Paul was notorious for that. So was Benedict. Benedict was very soft-spoken. Benedict, with his pen, carried a big stick. Benedict thought that the culture was falling apart. He he couldn't believe some of the crap he saw. He may have been very moderate in his speeches. He was not moderate in his writings. He made it very clear. Abortion is evil. He even said it. Abortion is evil. Same-sex marriage is evil. Trans ideology is evil. He said it. This pope, eh, it's kind of... And a lot of priests 
Now, the priests in Germany that they talk about, you got to be careful with Germany. They've got laws they got to follow. They've got actual discrimination laws, bigotry laws. So Germany is a... When you sit back and you look at Germany, they tax their churches. So you got to look at Germany. And by the way, all that crap from, again, I'll say it again, from Nazi, the Nazi era. You got to look at the, the, the Catholic Church in Germany and say, well, it's not really Catholic anymore. It is Protestant. But I think the church would be making a huge mistake if they decide to get away from their doctrine. I think the big mistake they're making right now, instead of changing the church, go back to the doctrine that has worked for the last 2,300 years and start telling people, hey, guess what? This doctrine is right. It's your culture that's falling apart. And this culture needs to come closer to our doctrine. I think that would work a lot better than what than trying to change the church. Because all changing the church is going to do for me is it's going to make me realize, well, I'm the Catholic. These people aren't Catholic, and I don't see the point of going to church. It's going to do the opposite. Because the people who are in church right now, they're the real Catholics. You pit, they believe in the doctrine. You start changing the doctrine, they'll leave. Then you won't have leftists in church, and you won't have real Catholics. Okay, that'll do it for today. I still ran over, and I didn't even read. I only read four paragraphs. But the reality is the whole article goes in this direction. So I think those four paragraphs really come to the crux of what my argument is. So it's good enough. Well, I, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. I hope you guys have a great day. God bless. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.